Welcome, everyone, to Buffalo Bills. Maybe next year, the only podcast that has ever won the presidential election, but not Ohio and Florida. My name is Frank. I'm Scott. I'm Paul. That's a thing. Look it up on the internet. Uh, You know what else you can look up on the internet? Uh, The ass kicking that the San Francisco 49ers took from the Buffalo Bills. Uh, 34 to 24. It actually wasn't that close, if if that's a thing that we're allowed to say, if that's like a thing that's meaningful to people. Um, San Francisco definitely scored a garbage time touchdown um, late. And, you know, we'll get into it. But I think if you look at the beginning of the game, um, you know, Buffalo is is, you know, two plays away from, you know, having another seven to 14 point swing um, at the at the start of the game. Uh, but really, um, the story of the game Josh Allen, uh, Paul, I'm going to turn it to you, yeah. but I want to start by saying we talked about it on Twitter. Um, I think easily the Bills' most complete game as a team, and it, I, I've thought about it more, and I know there was some pushback on Twitter from other people. I can't. I think this is easily Josh Allen's best game as a professional football player. Yeah, I would I would agree. And you you did mention the pushback we got on Twitter the very next day. Sean McDermott was asked this question and said, yes, it was the most complete game, both by Josh and the team. So we win because let's face it, Sean McDermott. Uh, the other, the other thing brought up was the Seattle game and he had 300 yards at the half. And that was a great game. But I, he was so in control. There, there was never a moment of panic in the entire game. And all, all I heard about the days before was about this you know, defensive coordinator. And this is what San Francisco does well. And like, he just owned them. He yep. absolutely owned them. And so now I will turn it over to Paul rather than step <laughs> on it anymore. But I, I just, you know, I didn't want to like, you know, disregard, like somebody made a lunatic position. It wasn't a lunatic position, but I, 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 I still think this is the best game that he he's ever played. Yeah, it was. A, I, I would, would agree. And let's is, is another thing that we mentioned on Twitter on this topic. This was not a college level defense they played. This was a San Francisco defense that unlike the offense was largely at full strength, saying save being weighed down in depth at their nickel cornerback position, which of mm-hmm. course the bills did pick on. This was not a case where Josh threw a screen to Singletary that he ran 80 yards to enhance those numbers. And this was also not him getting away with a bunch of near turnovers and just getting lucky in that regard. The only real near turnover he had was on a blindside sack that Deion Dawkins gave up and he lost the ball a bit going down and they got it back. Otherwise, his none of his throws were at risk of being intercepted. And the ones that were were ones he threw perfectly into tight windows that were caught and in, he said in his, his post-game interview, he felt like the ball was spinning off his hand well. He could feel the tail of the ball coming out, and that's when he knew, like, this is going to be my day. And it certainly was. There was a there are more commentators on, on Twitter now signing their Josh Allen apology forms. We all signed ours long ago. This is the type of performance that makes you think if you still are on the fence about him being a long-term franchise guy, what I like to call Wentz syndrome, a guy who looks really good for 12 or 13 games of a season. And then all of a sudden is no longer good. You know, I think this helps to alleviate those fears because this was as legitimate a performance as it gets. It did not seem like a one-off or luck. Mm -hmm. It's, it's just seems like steps, you know, a few steps ahead of where he was in the Seattle game and, you know, all in all, this was the best performance. And I won't 
won't go on too much more about the game because it's better when we all uh, go around the table. So I will, I'll stop there and I'll talk later and we'll let Scott talk. Yeah, because <laughs> Scott had to watch it the next day and I tried to tease him by telling him to burn the tape, but you know, he he didn't fall for it. He watched <laughs> the game anyway and uh and was pleasantly surprised from what i could tell so yes no i mean i i did i was concerned i was like oh man what happened and then i looked at the score and i'm like oh that did yeah, that tricky frank um, <laughs> uh but i definitely I just starred frank's uh text so like because that way you wouldn't i wouldn't give away anything in my reaction i was wondering if you would look at the score first or not so because uh, I, I i feel like that's the you know that's got to be the hardest part for you like I'm glad I did because because enough people know at the office at this point that there's usually a couple people who will come in and be like, oh, nice job by the bills or whatever. And then so there's you know, I'm not going to make it through the day anyway. Mm -hmm. um, anyway, no, nobody, cares, nobody cares about anything. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, it was uh, it was a pretty impressive performance. Uh, I mean, it's you know, I think um, offensively they did everything they needed to. The defense, I would say, continues to take it up a notch. Um, obviously they, you know, they weren't perfect. Um, but you know, you're again, like in the modern NFL, no one's expecting you to be perfect. They're expecting you to keep the other team from scoring 40, which, you know, mission accomplished. And, and they did a pretty, you know, obviously the huge goal line stop from Edmonds was like completely surprising and, um, you know, exciting. Uh, and then, you know, immediately kind of downcast by the immediate turnover <laughs> followed by the touchdown, which is a bummer. Um, but, you know, it was a, you know, he was one defender who was playing well. There are other defenders who are playing well. We're seeing more elements of the D-line. Um, Vernon Butler was a guy who showed up once or twice. And he's a guy I don't think we've talked about since we signed him in the offseason, frankly. Um, you know, that that was nice to see. Obviously, Wallace is, is still a bit of a concern there. Um, anyone we put across from White at this point is going to be a little bit of a concern. I agree with many of the commentators who are calling for, you know, what do we have to lose by bringing Dane Jackson onto the field a little more, um, getting him signed to the active squad first, and then giving him some reps because, you know, if he doesn't work out, then fine. We just put Wallace back in there. I mean, Wallace has been in and out of the lineup anyway. Uh, I think he lost his job coming out of camp to Norman, who's then been dinged. Norman has not proven to be anyone anywhere actual better. So uh, that's that's an issue that will that is a bit of a hole on the defense. But again, you're not gonna you're 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 not gonna have eleven All Stars, eleven Pro Bowlers at every position. So you're gonna have to take weakness somewhere. If the weakest part of your team is the number two cornerback, then that's that's still pretty good. Um, but yeah, I mean, in terms of the offense, I think the run game looked better. The receivers were all dialed in. Um, you know, there were still one or two little mistakes here and there, but that was about as close to a, a perfect performance as I think I've seen from the offense. Um, and and I'll just add, I'll conclude by saying um, Dable again, you know, one step ahead seemingly the entire game. Um, whether it was there was one audible that I think Allen checked to that wasn't a great decision, but otherwise between him and Dable, they, they were ahead of the, the Niners the whole time, which is saying something because they obviously are not just have a good players, but good defend, good um, coordinator with Sala, um, you know, just a, a good team in general. And um, yeah, no, I mean, it's it's tough to there's some little nitpicky things here and there, I think. But other than that is, a, as Ms. McDermott said, a, a great team performance. Um, 
I don't want to belabor the point, but it's fun to talk about it. Um, <laughs> you know, 375 yards, 80% completion, four touchdowns. Um, you know, I, I we'll take another spin. We'll go around the we'll go around the horn one more time here. We're talking about the game. I, I really wanted to the initial here. Okay, this is how I'll talk. This is how I'll explain it. the The initial drive gets all the way down. Um, to the you know goal line and they don't score and they go for it on fourth and that's disappointing and I think a lot of times in my life as a Bills fan I would have been thoroughly thoroughly angry and frustrated that they didn't score and I was certainly disappointed they didn't score but my instinct was well I mean they just kind of ate up San Francisco until the end there so I'm more encouraged by the offensive performance than I am disappointed that they didn't score uh, and then to see the defense, you know, get the goal line stop, like like Scott says, I wondered how many times has that happened in a game where both teams on the first drive had gone, you know, fourth and goal and not made it. Like you could probably count on your hand the number of times that's actually happened. Um, Gabe Davis or um, not Gabe Davis, Zach Moss, you know, obviously gets pulled from the game for most of it. He gets that touch that he fumbles and then. um you know, McDermott doesn't put him back in until the end. And he just like basically runs into a wall there. Uh, the other thing. Okay, here we go. This is, this'll, this'll be a little controversial. Um, the, the nice thing about Allen's game, Allen, Allen, of course, like Allen is like setting records for, for Bill's quarterbacks. Now he, he's been named AFC player of the week more times than any other Bill's player. Uh Tyler Bass also, by the way, most points for a first-year player um, yep. ever. So get, he's really sort of like he, the difference between him and the first couple of games and now is is stark and and wonderful. Um, but I, the thing that I liked about Allen's game the best on Monday night was he reminded me – someone had talked about this in a different context, but he reminded me of Tom Brady, Okay. Now, bear with me. The, the, the point that the person had made was like, OK, Russell Wilson and Cam Newton and lots of people, they were always able and capable of like having this great big splash play that like nobody else could do. And Brady ha- didn't. It's not like Brady didn't have those. But the key to Brady's game was like Brady always made the pass. Right. He always found the right guy open. He always was making the best decision, even when it was boring. And that was kind of Allen on that in that game. It was kind of almost not boring, but it was like my brain was just accepting the idea of why wouldn't we get 12 yards on first down? Why wouldn't we throw a <laughs> like, of course. And my brain had not done that with the Bills. And I found myself feeling that way about his game where he was just sort of like, yep, yep, OK. And then throwing to the open guy every time. And, you know, obviously, you know, success is about repeating that. But to me, that's actually what was the most masterful part of the game was, you know, not just the stats. It was really the ease with which he was doing it. Um, You know, I I think he maybe forced one or two balls, but like at the end of the day, he he had a great sense of what the game was, what needed to be called. Um, And so did Brian Dable. I mean, Dable really just had... Sella's number and they just couldn't do anything even down to like um you know an aggressive bills team that likes to go for it 
you know, they call a draw play on third and long to really get back some some field goal yardage because they know they're up 14 and they don't need I mean, seven would be nice, but getting up three scores is great. So why don't we just get up three scores? Um, so anyway, I've, I've gone on long enough. I, I feel very gushed uh, about this team. Um, I think we should we should talk a little bit more about this game, uh, especially in the context of the Steelers game next week and the and the Jets. We can you know, I don't know how we're going to fit in the Jets, but I'd really like to. Um, so so. Uh, but Paul yeah. and Scott, take one more beat on the, on the game. Anything you want to say, and then we'll get to three stars. Yeah, I'll, I'll just play on three things you guys uh, mentioned most recently when Frank was talking about going for it on fourth down. I have seen graphics that in terms of going for it when you should or going for it instead of kicking, uh, there are several metrics that note the Bills are either the best team in the league or one of the best. They went for it on three occasions on fourth down they converted two of them they should have gone for it really on all three of them or excuse me yeah they should have gone for on all three of them uh even though they didn't convert that one and so kudos to mcdermott for having a grasp of when the appropriate time for it and as frank just noted sometimes going for it is not the appropriate thing sometimes it's kick that field goal to go up three scores in the fourth quarter so it's not being overly aggressive. It's not being overly conservative. It's understanding situations. And I think this coaching staff has a great grasp of that. One thing Scott talked about was uh, Brian Dable's performance. And I just wanted to echo that sentiment. In fact, the one thing I criticized him for during the game was a fourth down call where, you know, it was Lee Smith and Ryan Bates and I think Dawson Knox in the, the pattern. And that was it on a fourth down call. I looked at the replay from the quarterback's perspective online today, and it was essentially the exact same play the previous week where Dawson Knox caught the touchdown, only Lee Smith did not settle into the zone like he should have, where, Do- uh, where Josh just could have flipped it to him for an easy score. Instead, he kept running, and that's when you saw Josh motioning, like, get back, get back. Uh, so even that one critique of Dable, I think, was uh, inappropriate, because look at how open he got Isaiah McKenzie with his scheming on the other touchdown. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing brought up was the the Moss fumble. And I just wanted to bring up my reaction to that. In typ- typically in Bills games, especially a Bills primetime game, I'm going to find that discouraging. But really, I just found it annoying. I, I found it like, oh, boy, we stopped him on the goal line for nothing after their own goal line stop. And now we're probably going to give up seven. Darn it. I was not thinking, well, this is a sign that the rest of this game is going to crap. And typically, I'm thinking this is a sign the rest of the game is going to crap because usually the rest of the game goes to crap in the previous, you know, 17, 18 years when, when this sort of stuff happens, but it didn't. So, you know, that was good to see Scott brought up the key element with the, the defense. Tremaine Edmonds is finally playing like Tremaine Edmonds again. It, se- it seems he brought up Vernon Butler, you know, stepping up who of course now is promptly landed on the injury list, which we'll get to later. And, you know, finally it seems like they played, I think this was their most complimentary game of the the season i think the seattle game was was the next closest but this was one where the offense and defense seemed to play off each other the special teams frank mentioned tyler bass did what they had to do you know even though they didn't make a huge impact roberts with good returns Corey bohorquez only had one punt punt but he booted it about ninety thousand yards i think it was 68 yards or something like that so all in all, I really love to criticize this team, but I'm finding very little to nitpick, and it it's refreshing. The Bills, by the way, have 
more than double scoring plays to punt plays this year. They're like, it was something like 71 score plays and 39. No, that's, yeah, it was something like that. 29 punts and 61 scores or something this this year. So, Man, not, yeah. That's a also, game. I want Scott's opinion on this because Greg asked it on Facebook. Was this the most complete third quarter the Bills have had? Was this the best third quarter that they've had? I mean, well, I'm sure there are better ones in the history of the Bills franchise. Yeah. Certainly, it does seem like this would be the argument that, in fact, all of this has been, you know, a bit of just poor timing and it's hard to play four perfect quarters. And if you play three good ones, the one that's going to be the worst is therefore going to be noticeable on some level if it keeps happening in the same one rather than a specific like there's some sort of problem at halftime or, or some sort of issue going on. So, I, I, you know, obviously, I, again, I was never really convinced of that to begin with, but it's nice to see them still do it and prove that that is whatever it is. Maybe it's it's not there anymore, if, even if it's only in their heads, um, which who knows if it is. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that was that was definitely nice to see. And, and I can't think of a better one they played this year, certainly. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think the only other thing that I'll add is, you know, like we've been saying, they got to do it every week. And, and Frank said success is repeating this. And I think that's I think that's fair. Um, but it is good to also see them shake off the fact that they had to go do this in a different way than they thought they kind of were. I mean, they thought they were going to San Francisco a week and a half ago and they had to go to Arizona instead. Um, they had to go back to where the Hopkins play happened. And none of that seemed to really phase them. So it's good. Um, to see them them continue to fight through a little of the adversity because there will be some non-football adversity still to come, I think, in this season. So it's important that they were able to kind of get through even a small kind of version of that, I guess. Let me say one more thing, and then we'll do three stars if it's okay. The the last thing, and, and feel free to disagree or agree. I didn't – I watching the game, I never felt like – Paul might have hinted at this. I never felt like San Francisco was um, – playing terribly or having series of bad luck they just got beat i felt like san francisco was kind of like they were obviously not executing exactly the way they wanted to but like it wasn't a question of oh you know like they had these three ridiculous fumbles they like had all sorts of terrible like or some guy was like way off it's like no they all seemed to be doing what they were doing and buffalo was just beating them and you know they you know three and one against the nfc west with you know, basically the one being a, a, a miracle Hail Mary, uh, you know, and as, as Paul points out, they, they get the Hail Mary. Uh, if, they, if they defend the Hail Mary, we're talking about Buffalo this week playing for the number two seed overall um, within, you know, within talking distance of, you know, maybe they can get a bye week. So, you know, such is life. But I was happy they, they manhandled the 49ers the way that they did. And honestly, Scott, I don't envy your task this week because there are a bevy of excellent players um, on the Buffalo Bills side that you should you have available to you. Um, so I look forward to seeing how you manage to parse this all out. There are, and it is it is it is a difficult decision. I don't. I'm looking at. I'm again going over my notes, going over the extensive research. Mm-hmm. That goes into three stars. Well, that's where all of everybody's Patreon dollars are going. If you're not on the Patreon, uh, it's too late. Don, you know, like, yeah, yeah, we well, can't, yeah. we can't let you in now. 
So yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's 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 only it's only it's only meaningful if it's exclusive. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, I mean it's but uh, but you can see the fruits of the labor here uh, now on three stars. And yes, the answer is no. San Francisco 49ers made the three stars or the honorable mentions. I agree that they didn't play terribly the whole game, just not enough not enough performances that I can really feel strongly yeah. about that they need to get there. I mean, maybe you could find someone on their line who played well, I'm sure, but uh, th- that's that's usually not enough to get you onto the uh, onto the three stars list. That's not how it works. No. No uh, Joey Bosa's today. No, absolutely not. So we are uh, we are moving on to the Bill side of the ledger. We'll go through some honorable mentions. Tremaine Edmonds with a nice game. Again, the big stop on the goal line. That was nice to see. Uh, Trey White, uh, you know, a controversial first star after being <laughs> being named first star in a week where another Bills player was named AFC Defensive Player of the Week. But those <laughs> rankings, again, not having the same kind of. Um, methodology that i think goes into three stars so we don't have the we don't have the politics on this podcast (laughs) this is the real stuff yeah no this is no spin zone um (laughs) wow the uh 2004 (laughs) sorry go ahead yeah exactly and time machine um so yeah so anyway so trey white gets uh with with the big kind of late interception gets an honorable mention other honorable mentions go to Stefan Diggs. Uh, Frank pointed out before, you know, the the kind of the, the Brady-esque kind of just constantly hitting the third downs right where they need to be. And part of that, a lot of that was also Diggs in terms of him knowing his role. We didn't need as much of him being the game breaker, go down the field and make big plays guy. We needed a guy who could, no kidding, get open on those super short routes um, and make sure that he was available to get those third down passes, keep the chains moving, uh, win the time of possession battle, which the Bills, you know, normally are kind of more mixed on, uh, but, you know, won it again and and keep the offense on the field. Dix was doing it to the tune of 10 catches for 92 yards and now back tied, I think, uh, in with the league lead in receptions and fifth in receiving yards, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. Um, we also give an honorable mention to Gabe Davis um, with the with the nice touchdown catch uh, continues to play very well. Um, obviously, that one was wide open, but hey, who's who's. Who cares? Um, yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, we will now move into the formal part of three stars. Uh, the formal part of three stars uh, will go to Cole Beasley. Nine catches, 130 yards and a touchdown is your third star uh, on 11 targets. Obviously had the big the, the, the big catch. Um, had, again, uh, another nice day on third downs. Had the touchdown. Um, again, a great block by Diggs on the touchdown. Another great job by Diggs there. Um, but you know, good, good effort from him. Uh, second star goes to Micah Hyde, uh, 12 tackles, six solo, as well as another, uh, uh, a nice interception and an interception return, um, to set up a score. So another great, again, symbolizing the, 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 the broader and growth, the, the, the development and growth of the bills defense from where it was at the beginning of the year, when we clearly had a lot of new guys, um, we still have some issues, the run game, maybe a run defense, maybe the second corner, but certainly a competent defense now that's certainly capable of 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 helping the offense to win games uh, and and, you know, maybe bailing them out once or twice as they have, uh, you know, a couple weeks ago with the Chargers. Uh, and then obviously your first star is Mr. Mr. 80 percent, 32 of 40, 
375 yards, four touchdowns, just the one sack, you know, a fumble that didn't hurt anything, um, six carries for 11 yards as well. Josh Allen, uh, you know, the franchise, <laughs> the, the alien from the future who's come to teach us how to play football. Uh, he is he is here now, and uh, maybe all maybe all be graced by his long and plentiful reign. It's a tough day for Cole Beasley when you set career highs and everything, and you're the third star. But yeah, that means he, it's been a good day for the team. Yeah, I mean he's been he's the the thing with him is like maybe at the end of the year his honorable mentions and third stars add up to him being the third star of like the season because. He really has been the guy when when the other guys aren't there, he's the guy. You know, they did all this without John Brown. This is this is the the other reason I love this game from Josh Allen. You know, every other game that he's had that's been good has been with John Brown on some level, and John Brown's not there. And I, I said last week, I go maybe this is the week that they figure out. Um, you know, how do you how do you win? How do you have a good passing game with John Brown without him? And they did, and that's that's important not just for winning through the rest of the season, but also, um, you know, uh, when you get to the playoffs, cause you know, availability is the most important ability a player can have. Um, you know, who we're not is we're not the jets and there's no delicate way to bring this up. I, th- this is our talk about the NFL segment. <laughs> um, so I watched Washington versus Pittsburgh, um, leading into it. I was telling Paul, I, I like I hate to say this the week before we play them, but I am just not impressed with the Steelers. Uh, but the story of the NFL this week, is f- far and away, is you know the Jets. They they take a lead. Um, they you know and Greg Double G Williams blitz seven with a quarterback spy and leaves man to man outside on a hit. What Essentially, it's a Hail Mary, and they lose the football game. Um, and it, and if you take some people at their word, the, the previous play, you know, they, they sort of seem to be giving away touchdowns, too. He's fired, of course, uh, you know, the next day because his players are calling him out. Um, he's entirely lost the locker room. Uh, I give it to Paul to start. Anything yeah. you want to say? Like, do you, you want to talk about whether you think Greg Williams did that on purpose or not? I obviously... Oh, I would- I would love to. Yes. I obviously on Twitter took the position that he did that, you know, Greg Williams, he of Bounty Gate, you know, he of just like kind of an asshole period. Um, You know, I don't know that. Look, I'm not here to tell you that white privilege is a thing. That's not this podcast. Okay, it is or it isn't. What I will tell you that is if there was a thing called white privilege, it would look like Greg Williams continuing to get jobs in the NFL because he's been (laughs) terrible forever. Like, He's been terrible for 20 years, and for some reason, he still ends up with these defensive coordinator jobs where his defenses are not that impressive, you know? So maybe we can call it tenure privilege. Maybe they just are like, you know, the, the recycled the recycled nonsense. But I'm sorry to have gone down that path, but, like, I, it mystifies me that he continues to get a job. And part of it is, like, I don't know, he seems like the kind of guy that would be like, yeah, I'll take $100,000 under the table on the way out to, to uh, you know— fuck up this game for the jets you know i I don't know i guess i i just am willing to bury him that way but paul yeah it's uh i i will present my evidence on this which is uh against frank's view and i'm basing it uh on 
an article by the Athletics Ted Nguyen, uh, which shows I think my white privilege, and I probably mispronounced that last name. Mm -hmm. uh, we'll all take turns talking yes. about our white privilege in a minute. But it's a it's a very good article talking about Greg Williams zero blitz, uh, his history calling it, and why it was so unnecessary, which basically yells out. Greg Williams spells out that Greg Williams has been doing this shit for years and just been getting away with it. And finally, finally, he got caught. They mentioned he tried almost the same. It outlines beautifully with screenshots and words, as articles often consist of. Mm -hmm. Like the situations that the Jets have been in before, the situation that he's been in when he coached other teams as well, and how he just has these elaborate blitz blitz schemes in the last second on, you know, end of half Hail Marys, end of game Hail Marys in situations where it does not pay to do that. And the worst it ever burned him was one where a pass was completed downfield uh, toward the end of the game, but at least it was a nine point lead. So even if the guy scored didn't matter, they end up tackling him somewhere inside the five yard line. So I am pretty confident stating that uh, part of what Frank says is right, which is that it's ridiculous that Greg Williams keeps getting jobs in the NFL because he doesn't deserve it. But two, it is definitely not a conspiracy. It is just someone who is so incompetent, like that they would even think to make that that play call. It was the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen to do a cover zero against three speedy receivers in a situation where the other team has no timeouts and literally can't run more than one play inbounds. Yeah, I, I think I think the only the only slight difference I'm more on Paul's side. The only slight difference is if I was going to use a word for it, I would use arrogant. Mm. I think is the word. Mm -hmm. I think that's really what what strikes me the most from Williams. And this kind of this this call is is and and kind of self centered in a way where it's like I know how to coach in the nfl and i am so confident in my abilities that i don't care what anyone else thinks or what the book says or what these statistics get these statistics out of my <laughs> face get this no blitz has ever been run like this in the last 15 years like with this time and situation how dare you i am an nfl defensive coach I have been, as Frank said, repeatedly hired because I have some very fascinating ideas about how and when to blitz. And I'm going to prove it to everyone by blitzing right now. And when we win this game, it's going to look really awesome that I blitzed. And it'll prove to everyone that I know when to blitz. And blitzing is always the best. And um, I think I, I can very much see that as the subtext in his head, um, along with a bit of a healthy shading of the famous and uh, one of the many famous and permanently effective airplane uh, movie scenes mm -hmm. where uh, they ask, they ask uh, Rex Kramer, should we turn on the floodlights? I believe. And he answers, no, that's just what they're expecting uh, <laughs> because it's very much like, yes, they're not expecting it because that's insane. Um, and, and, and a bit of that in there with Greg Williams as well. I was just, uh, I enjoyed, I enjoy a good Jets roasting. And I think the fact that he was fired the next day is a bit conclusive to exactly how this turned out. In addition to the fact that, yes, his players were clearly throwing him under the bus by the end, you know, literally 20 minutes later. So 
It is a combination of things. Well, you two are in good company because, of course, Amy Trask, former CEO of the Raiders, uh, you know, and current uh, correspondent with CBS. I'm just pulling it up very polite because we had used her initial tweet as a launching point for this discussion. And she very politely said, hello. I love that she said hello. She wrote the words hello on Twitter, which is amazing. And she just sort of disagreed and said, you know, Greg Williams didn't do that. It was a terrible call. And I responded very nicely to her because I obviously represent the podcast at this point. So what I said was, and my children are screaming upstairs, but they seem to be squealing with delight. So that's good. You know, I just said I was being cheeky on the Internet. And thank you for reaching out. And you're probably right. But I also am just going to have fun at the expense of Greg Williams. So I think that qualifies to call her as friend of the show, Amy Trask. Uh, who knows? Maybe she's tuned in this week. Um, but, you know, so if she corrects us and she's not friend of the show, then then we're sorry. But for the time being, I'm just going to say the audience later. Yes. Yeah. But for now, it's Amy Trask, friend of the show. Um, and we were excited to have her reach out to us. And she wasn't the only person to reach out to us. Uh, Paul, I have not seen a uh, a a what do you call it? Oh, there we go. Uh, Quentin Jefferson hip. Uh, Johnson ankle safety, uh, you know, Andre Roberts limited with, uh, Achilles the, uh, is my Achilles. ACH. Yeah, ACH. Full practice, Josh Allen and Feliciano with knee, ankle and feet issues. Um, and, uh, Teron Johnson, I would think also has not practiced, but he's also not been pulled off of the, the, the IR yet. So there you go with that. But, you know, a- a- uh, Amy, friend of the show, Amy wasn't the only person to reach out to us. We had a ton of people yes. reach out to us. So let's try. And we answered Greg's Facebook question. Uh, or, or, and so thank you for that, Greg. MNY, or sorry, B-Bills MNY on Facebook. You can find us there. Uh, but we have tons and tons of Twitter questions. Do you want to start us somewhere? And then I'll I'll help pitch in too. Yes, uh, because uh, Jay, Jay had, I always want to make sure I get Jay's question. Jay and, and Mark are too often asked right after the game. And I want to make sure I don't lose theirs. So this yes. week, uh, Jay did, and we'll start with Jay Last Ross's week. questions here. Uh, Jay says, yes, Scott, it's me again. Muhaha. Two questions. Was that the dirtiest game the Bills have played all year? Lots of elbows to the neck after the whistle on both sides. Second, are we getting our money's worth from the secondary? See middle of the pack on stats. Also, my avatar is sweet. Um, Scott, I think since you're directly addressing this, well, you might want to take first crack on yeah, the, was it a dirtier game? And did we get our money's worth? Are we getting our money's worth in the sec- secondary? All right. Uh, I'll start with one thing. Uh, these are two really dumb questions that aren't that interesting. <laughs> so I'm going to move off them as quickly as I can. Dirtiest game? It's not a wrestling match. Nobody cares. Um, what, like it's by strictly by definition, I can look to the penalty count and prove that that's an incorrect premise. So why we need to continue talking about it, I don't know. Um, let me let me you know what obviously let me just try and make it a more interesting question for you. Was that the most physical game? That. I, I, I understand that, you know, you, you can't work like this. That's why I'm here. I'm here. I'm I'm Scott's handler. So would you say it was the, the, the most physical game the Bills have played thus far? Uh, I, I would say in some ways there is there is some of that. I mean, it's tough for me to kind of like, you know, like have a mental picture in my head of like the physicalness yes. of all the games that we played. But 
you know, yeah, there was there was a lot of hitting. This was a physical game. Um, but at the same time, clearly Allen was, you know, it was not bad conditions. Allen wasn't around pretty much scot-free. I don't remember. There was one late hit, I think, on Allen. I feel like in a couple of the games, <laughs> there have been a couple which, late let, let, Let's be realistic. That was that was just brilliant acting by Josh Allen. So. Yeah, he did a great job. There. Like, the Chargers game was pretty pretty physical. I'm pretty sure Josh Allen um, remembers what it feels like now being hit by Joey Bosa in mm-hmm. a couple of those plays. Um, the Kansas City game, I would say, was frankly a physical game in the sense that the the Chiefs ran the ball down our throats and made it do it until it hurt. Um, so I feel like that that was also a physical game. I think we're going to have a physical game this Sunday against the Steelers. The season's not over yet, so... Um, that in terms of the secondary, um, another terrible question. We've already discussed this. I don't know why we're again, continuing to indulge this particular, um, listener or fan, whatever we'd call it. Um, but he doesn't seem to be listening since we already <laughs> talked about it. Clearly. Exactly. So, uh, Frank makes his but, heel turn right in the middle of the segment. As, I just don't want to get on Scott's bed. So. <laughs> Sorry, uh, Jay. As as clearly uh, as I think I think I would point to our earlier discussions in the year that if you're going to point to a tremendous waste of money on this team, it's the defensive line. And I'd say they've certainly been playing better. But given the amount of money invested in the defensive line, they should be out there every week picking up six, seven sacks like that. That is the money that we put into them and we're not seeing it there. I think um, ultimately the secondary is a we we I think it was a choice, and you could argue whether it's a, a good choice or not, and we've done that again previously on the podcast, um, <laughs> but uh, that Bean and McDermott made a conscious choice to go into the season with Trey, Micah, and Jordan, and then Chicken Wire and Duct Tape, and hoping that, you know... Josh Norman they, being Chicken Wire and Levi Wallace being Duct Tape. <laughs> Exactly. I was wondering who was who. Yeah. <laughs> and Teron Johnson and Cam Lewis filling out the string and maybe Dane Jackson, you know, two years from now is somebody we can rely on. And that was a I think that was a, a poor choice. I think we could have invested more in that position. I think it came back to hurt us. So I think I think they have economized. I think they've economized on the secondary and there have been some games where it's cost us. Um, I think we still have three very good players in the secondary, which not a lot of teams do have. So from my perspective, I think they're they're doing enough to 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 those guys are doing enough. It was a choice by Bean and Dermott to do it that way, and I think it's a I think it is you know the record's kind of proven it out, and now that the defense is playing better, it's easier to see how the whole package was supposed to work. So I, I think maybe this some of the stats aren't bearing out because they've sort of been historically low with interceptions, we're a li- which are a little hit or miss, and and some of that might be like you know. When you're Trey White, people don't throw at you. And part of the deal of not throwing at you is like, well, now I don't get opportunities to make great interceptions and awesome, you know, awesome plays. So it, that stuff that doesn't, you know, hashtag show up on the stat sheet. Um, yeah, that's I all would, I will say on that. Yeah, I was going to say on the the secondary is I, I think of a guy like Nate Odoms who had one great interception season and that was it because then people realized you don't throw at Nate Odoms. So they started mm-hmm. picking on Kirby Jackson and JD Williams at that point, And then Nate got the big contract to go to Seattle. Uh, same with Antoine Winfield, Nate Clements. These are guys who might've had one good interception season, but they tend to find them. I would say we are getting our money's worth. 
out of the secondary. I think, though, Jay is right that we are also middle of the pack because we're paying middle of the pack money. We're paying our top three players really good money and we're paying the rest of them uh, like, you know, the same amount you would pay for chicken wire and duct tape. So it's it's kind of appropriate. Uh, unlike Scott, uh, I'm going to say I'm going to say dirtiest game the Bills have played all year is totally a fine thing to say, because, yes, yes, Jay, I am with you. I observed a lot of extracurricular after the whistle activity, more so than I previously observed in games. And to me, uh, this was probably the dirtiest Bills game since the uh, the uh, great orgy breakout of the Bills 49ers 2008. Yeah, that was a hell of an orgy. Yeah, <laughs> see that one going there. It may have also had something to do with the fact that I was watching this in the uh, 40-minute NFL recap, where they almost nice. certainly cut all of the uh, extracurricular stuff. So yes, but still poor form on Jay to even ask you that, knowing your limitations. Agreed. Really. So, uh, well, maybe Jay'll write again. Who knows? He seems <laughs> to be a glutton for it. Uh, as the bear says, you're not here for the hunting, are you? And if you don't know that joke, I'm not telling you that joke <laughs> on air. Uh, what's our next? Sure. What's our next? Uh, let's please. This is from uh, uh, our good friend. 2020 Bills are state of the art, otherwise known as Josh Folan, uh, saying, let's please discuss no run plays ever again for all of Josh Allen's eternity. So, yeah, so. I read his thread, right? And, and it yeah. was funny because he, he tagged us. And I looked at it, and this thread is actually about, like, the Chargers game. So, uh, like Scott, I was a little annoyed once again with our listeners for, like, why are we talking about something from a week ago? But he was, I, I suppose, if we're going to be nice to Josh, uh, you know, that he's reiterating the same point he's been on for a while. That his position is, like, there's simply just no room for running game ever. You don't need it. You can throw slants and short runs and all that. And I think that... In a computer video game setting, I agree. I think there are probably physical limitations to people's bodies and what they can do and what they can't do. And so I think even if you just needed to get like some wide receivers a break, you know, you'd want to run the ball a few times. Um, but I am all for running the ball, you know, like if at the end of the game we have 15 runs, you know, like that to me is not a deal breaker, I think. I don't know. Um Paul, why don't you go and then we'll let Scott finish up. Yeah, I, I think whatever whatever you got to do to win the game, the Patriots game was a game where relying on the running backs proved to be productive. You know, yes, it's that's an example of when it when it helps. I also think I don't mind Josh running himself too when he needs to do it uh, on designed runs when it's, you know, the type of play where he's not going to immediately die at the end. I kind of like it when he goes toward the sideline for that. I think right now, yeah, it's a passing heavy team and it will always be a passing heavy team. But I think I should say always, but it will for the foreseeable future be a pass heavy team and should be. But there are simply going to be occasions when you're going to face the top secondary in the league and you're going to have to at least depend on your running game to get you some yards here and there, even if it is not your focal point. So I I'm, I'm still thinking you got to hand off that ball every now and then in certain games. I, I think I think a lot of it's just like Paul was saying, the game planning. I think I think, you know, obviously we've had times this season when we we're playing bad run defenses and we we tried to take advantage of it and and vice versa for pass. Um I think I think we've certainly invested more money and uh capability in the pass game. So I would expect that all things being equal, we would be passing more. But I think 
they understand that it's important to do both. So I'll, I'll leave it there. Yeah, I think that Josh's bigger point about getting the ball in the hands of Josh Allen and allowing him, the most dynamic playmaker, to make the plays is a good one. But I just don't know if physically or game plan wise that is as feasible as we want it to sound. Um, but, you know, there's a coach in high school that never punts. So, you know, maybe there's a guy out there who doesn't ever run the football. Um, Mark, let me read Mark's questions. Do you think that Josh Shoulder's injury, Josh's shoulder injury was the reason behind the Bills running the ball more in October? Or do you think they were trying to establish that run game feel they need or a mix of both? I think Paul or Scott's answer is the answer. They were playing teams that it specifically required them to um, run the football. And I think that, you know, it could have been a little bit of the injury because they felt like they couldn't throw it as effectively. I I tend to believe that they felt a little more lost without Josh than any sort of um, shoulder injury. But I think Dable's been, been pretty clear that he goes for the way that you can win. Like, that's what he wants. Now, that said, after a game like today or Monday, and Scott, tell me if you agree, maybe you just maybe you now feel like Josh Allen can win you any football game and you you start to default towards, yeah, we're going to pass it until they give us a reason not to. I I, I mean, I, th- I think you do that at the risk of having a game like the San Diego game. Not that we tried to do that in the San Diego game, but like I am I'm forecasting a little bit. I'm very I mean. I'm slightly less concerned about the Steelers now with Bud Dupree being uh, injured and gone for the season, mm-hmm. but it's not like TJ Watts any worse than Joey Bosa. So right. you, you, you put Josh Allen uh, dropping back 55 times. He's going to get crushed about five or six times and he may not get up from one of those. I obviously hope he does. Um, he's a big man, but there is, it, if you were, if you were playing one game to win it all, you're in the Super Bowl. By all means, maximize your efficiency, run the best plays you got, no holding back. Got it. That is not you're in week 13 here. You got eyes on the prize. If he gets a broken leg that costs him six weeks, we can kiss the the big one goodbye. So let's let's not overthink it and try and get too cute and put our most important player in a bad position. Um, I, I certainly I, I take the point that we need still need to try and win the games, but there's a balance to that, that having a little bit of balance helps. Well, go ahead, please. Sorry. Yep. My answer is the same as, is Frank's. I think it was just the uh, needing to feel established, the run game, game planning, all that fun stuff. Mark wants to know if he, if we believe it's possible for the bills to win out, you can wait for our fourth quarter of the season preview after we do some more questions. And his last question, we saw quite a few looks from the bills in the 49ers game, but with Miami doing so well, do you see uh, well? Do you see more? And do the Bills become aggressive trying to win the division, or do they go go to a conservative look, trying not to show everything before the playoffs? That's a good question. I think that given Dable's plays, the fact that like it's Week 12 and he's still pulling plays out that we haven't seen, I think he's got plenty in the tank. Um, and I think the other nice thing is like you've got enough things in the tank that you can mix those things in. You can't prepare for all of those different things. I, I'd be surprised. Here's what I'd be surprised. I'd be surprised if we see Josh Allen going out for another pass this year. I think we've done. I think that one's done. Um, but I, I, I don't you know, the good news with them is like creativity is also like not a bunch of gadget plays like they can do a lot of different things. So 
I think we'll see new wrinkles every week. I think that, yeah, they probably want to win the division and, and bury Miami if they can, with the magic number now being three. And they're in a good position this week um, to take two of those three. Um, but, you know, I, I wouldn't go so far as to say that, like, they're going to get conservative in any in any way, shape or form. I think they're here to still win some football games. And until that division is wrapped up, you know, you can count on them to be to be all in. Paul, yeah. sure. You're or Scott, whoever. I, Losers, I agree. I think I think I think you nailed it correctly, Frank, is that some of the yes, uh, they will continue to press until at least they've won the division and their then their seed is locked up to where it is. And the second thing is the the wrinkles are as much about what the defense is that they're playing and what the game plan is as it is about he's got a list of a thousand plays and you know, he's going to run number 997 this week because he hasn't run it three weeks ago. It's because he's got a list of 1,000 plays and 997 works better against this defense than another defense because this guy's slow or stupid or out of position a lot or whatever. Yeah, I think they're going to... I'm going to... And this is a good balanced question, you guys have given good balanced answers. So I was debating when to throw this in there. So I, consult, I recently consulted Frank's good friend, the New York Times playoff simulator, and discovered that if the Bills lose to the Steelers and then lose to the Broncos and then lose to the Patriots and then beat the Dolphins, they are a 99% odds to make the playoffs and okay. 90% to win the division. And if they lose to the Steelers and lose to the Broncos, but then beat both the Patriots and Dolphins, they are 100% to make the playoffs and win the division. So that essentially means I would expect them to maybe save any suit. They're going to have wrinkles in there just because Dable throws them in there every week, as, as Frank mentioned. But I would wholly expect they are going to start to stash some plays for the playoffs at this point. Yeah, they're they're kind of here. And I was sort of saying that last week and I'm not a coach, and, but, you know, I was sort of saying, like, I'm no longer as interested in the regular season. I feel like this is all but done, uh, knock on wood. So yes, I suppose in that regard, if you're going to save something, you're probably going to save it for the playoffs at this point. So uh, a very good question. Dave points out his position is, and um, this is a long question, but it's a good one. And he's my neighbor. So I have to say it's good. Cause Dave down the street, we call him. Dave down the street could leave poop on my doorstep if I don't treat him nicely here. Uh, Josh Allen's worst games of the past few years have been wind and weather games, no matter how big his hands are. He will always be at his best in good weather. I think that's a pretty fair statement for any quarterback, but I take your point. How soon can we get a boat, uh, a dome built question mark? And if we do build the dome downtown, wouldn't it be cool to design a convenient way for Canadian fans to cross the Peace Bridge on foot and go right into the new stadium? That would be a better way to attract Canadian fans than the Toronto series. And if we cater to the Canadians in that way, perhaps we can sell some PSL personal seat licenses and more luxury boxes so that the taxpayers won't have to pay as much for the new stadium. I like David's thought. I like, da I like how David thinks that the people who are walking across the Peace Bridge are also the people that are going to pay for the luxury boxes. But... Well, for parking convenience, yes. got, I think he makes excellent, excellent points here because if you have to driving across the bridge is really the biggest pain of it all. So if they park okay. in Fort Erie and walk across the bridge okay. and go through customs. Remember when when you guys came to visit me when I was in Buffalo, uh, right. we all walked across the bridge and just parked our car in Niagara Falls. When we were up in the falls. So, yes, we did uh, not. 
did we go to Canada? I forget. We did, yeah. We we went through customs That's on right. foot. So yeah, I wasn't Which sure. Was I not drunk. That's not why he doesn't remember. He just <laughs> right. I've been to Canada day. plenty of times. That's the problem. And I was like, I can't remember if we did it that time. But anyway. Yes. So we did. And I I think this is. I don't want to get too deep into these questions because they're. I feel like this is one we should stash for the off season because yes. now the new stadium is really going to become a thing that's going to have to happen or, and I, I like his ideas for location. So I'll just keep mine short and say, I think there's definitely some ideal locations alongside where LaSalle park is and so forth that are downtown, but not in the middle of high traffic areas or high foot traffic areas. It could be used for other things. And so, yeah, I think this, I think you're on to something and we'll see where it ends up going. All right. Let's think Yeah. Okay. Also, we should uh, thank Grant for his wonderful, uh, you know, reaching out to his followers and recommending it. He did. Us. Well, I, I threatened him with no presents from Santa, so he oh, okay. was smart enough to take me seriously. Um, so <laughs> he's going to have a good word for him now. Um, if you'd like to tweet us, MNYBills on Twitter, we're there on game day. I've been doing a little during the week because I'm bored. Um, but we are 52 minutes in, my friends. Thankfully, though, we only have a lot more to do. <laughs> uh so let's talk about the final we're here okay eight and three or eight, sorry nine and three um i don't know that anybody of us would have picked nine if anybody of us picked nine and three at the beginning of the year but they're here uh they're nine and three within a, a miracles throw of being ten and two as we've said ad nauseum and they have games at home against pittsburgh and then at my at home against miami to close the season and in between they go on the road to denver and new england there are the only one o'clock game now is the miami game and that um, could be flexed if it's for the division if it's which for is the division, a lot it odds, but it could be yeah, yeah. and it, and you know it, it would have to be a stretch to be flexed for the division at this point but um you know buffalo is there they're they're sitting at the three seed last i checked because uh the titans lost um, and so they're, they, they've moved up slightly in the seeding. Um, they don't, you know, the first two seeds are a little tricky. Um, I think the first seed, even with beating Pittsburgh this week, is going to be tough. That would put Pittsburgh at 11 and 2 and Buffalo at 10 and 3. But the problem is you'd then have to also jump Kansas City, who would be the new one seed, most likely. Um, I ran the numbers on the time simulator just yeah. for you, Frank. And Thank the you. odds of the one seed if the Bills win out is 16%. 16%. Okay, well, right. So, you know, could they win out? I think I, as part of your answer, and I'm going to go to Scott first, as part of your answer, I want you to answer Mark's questions of whether you could imagine them winning out. I think the answer is undoubtedly yes. I would be interested. I'm not asking you if they will. I'm asking if you can imagine it. Because I leave the San Francisco game, I was already feeling this way going into it, but I feel doubled down leaving the San Francisco game, that there's not a team in the league that Buffalo can't beat. I won't pretend to say that they're the best team or the most complete team. I don't know if I would say that at all. But I think that they can beat anybody. And I, I, there's no team I'm scared of. You know, not the Titans, not anybody. Not Kansas City. I would love to watch them play Kansas City again. And I think they're going to have a great game against against Kansas City if they're if they're remotely healthy. So I will put my neck out there first. I think they will beat Denver. I think they might I, I think right today I'm gonna pick them as a loss to New England and I'm gonna pick them as a loss to Miami. But I think the Miami game is not gonna matter because spoiler, I'm gonna pick them to beat Pittsburgh on Sunday night. I think they're gonna win those two games and the games against New England and Miami simply won't matter as much. 
And, you know, I now when we get a week out and we're picking the games against New England, don't be surprised if I am picking them to now beat New England. That's the one I'm most wishy-washy about. And honestly, the Miami game I am looking at, I don't think they're Miami's better than them. I just think that they're checked. They're going to be checked out for this game. And I don't really care. So, you know, you can put me down for, um, you know, 12 and four and or sorry, 11 and five. Uh, and, and probably 12 and four by the time we're all done. And I now I turn it over to Scott to answer the, the same there are questions. Yeah, I mean, I, certainly I, I, I can I can see them winning out. I, that's not that's certainly not impossible. And, and it's crazy to kind of say that. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. They go 12 and three um, because that's I think that's at. what he was getting at was like, isn't it crazy that we're here? Yeah, yeah. Like, it's not even it's not even really that debatable um like uh based on what we've seen so far um if we want to do the, the the final three i'll say denver gives me a little pause just because they were frisky enough in some of these games um i forget who they played two weeks ago but they beat somebody that was better than they or they were playing tough against somebody i forget what it was yeah, um, they, they barely lost to, to kansas city that's what it was they were in that game against kansas city yeah um so, you know, that's it's not nothing, but I think we can I think we can win. We've shown that we can go on the road and do that. The, the weather will be interesting in terms of Denver in mid-December, but whatever, it's not it's not impossible. Same thing with New England. Um the New England game, I think we're going to be in a decent position. I think I'll I'll pick us to win that one um just because I'm not sure that the, the Pats have much much invested. They might be out of it at this point, and I don't know how you keep that team playing if they're out of it um because they've been so dominant for so long. They're also not just not that good. They don't have a lot of talent. Um you know, I I, I think Newton is is dinged. Even though it was a close game the first time, I think they're going to have less to play for now. And then the Miami game, I do see, yeah, as Frank said, a, a loss strictly on the counts of the Bills should be in the barn at that point. Allen sits, um, Diggs, Brown, and Beasley sit, um, you know, maybe Singletary sits, um, and, and some of the line sits, and then some of the, you know, Edmonds, Milano, maybe Klein too, maybe they all sit, um, maybe, some, you know, White and the DBs. So there's just not going to be, it's not really going to count. So I, I see it, you know. Pending the Pittsburgh game, somewhere in the, uh, <coughs> excuse me, uh, 12 and 4, uh, 11 and 5 area. Okay. Yeah, for all the factors you guys mentioned, I find this the most difficult end of season to pick because of all the unknowns of where these games could be. I think the Broncos is one that's the most straightforward to pick. The Broncos have been frisky, as Scott noted. They knocked off Miami a couple weeks ago, which really helped the Bills. They played Kansas City very tough. I still think, you know, when in doubt, all things being equal, pick the better team. The Bills are a better team, so I will pick them to win week 15. Week 16 is the segment start. I was with Frank's pick that I think the... The Patriots, they they had a hiccup against the Texans a few weeks ago, but otherwise they beat the Chargers 45 to nothing. They beat the Cardinals, who the Bills lost to. They beat the Ravens, and, well, they beat the Jets. Big fucking deal. Um, but the, the other wins are impressive enough, and they could still be playing for something. It is difficult to win in New England, and I don't know how much this game is going to mean uh, for either team. So I will pick the Bills. So the last game, this is what's tough. Like this could be meaningful for both, meaningful for neither, or 
meanful for both teams, meanful or meanful for neither, or meanful for one and not the other. So the bang. In case you're wondering about the Dolphins, they have the Chiefs this week. Good luck there uh, for Miami. Then they play the Patriots head to head at home. Then they go on the road to the Raiders, who are also fighting for a playoff spot. So I'm going to err on the side of saying that the Dolphins are either in a position where they have clinched a spot or where they are out of it. And that's, I have nothing to back that up. Uh, so I'm going to say both teams rest their starters and the uh, Bills win this one as well. So I will have them going either 13 and three or 12 and four, depending on my pick for the Pittsburgh game. Ooh. All right. Well, there's no reason to wait. I mean, the Bills are one and a half point under. To, oh, no. This day in Bills. Headlines. There is a reason to wait. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yes. Our All signature right. segment is the reason to how wait, sir. This, how could I forget the single best segment in all of Bill's podcasting. Even um, my, my wife was right. She refilled my water just knowing the segment was coming up. I didn't you even know what it is. It's for the first time in the nine years of doing this podcast that like I am hella pumped about like last year was yeah. the beginning, but I'm hella pumped about like getting to the next game now. Yeah. Like, not trying to kill time. I want it. To, I want it to be Sunday and I'm going to be mad on Sunday that I have to wait till eight o'clock at night. But, <laughs> So, but in any event, no, we have built this excellent segment and Paul is here to present it for us. All right, here we go. Today's date is December 9th. We will have 10 questions. We'll get through about one per minute and knock this out at the hour 10 minute mark of our pod. So 2019, thanks to swirling winds, Bill's blank gets peak at notes from Ravens coaches. Says the Ravens offense has been impossible to stop this season, ranking first in the NFL in points per game and second total yards per game. So forgive Buffalo Bills cornerback blank for jumping the chance to get a peak of some notes that flew away from the Ravens coaching staff uh, during the third quarter on a blustery day at New Era Field, where photos of play formations flew onto the field. Blank saw them, picked them up, and tried to read as much as he could before an official took them out of his hands. I think that was Trey, right? It was Trey, yes. Scott again. Scott on last week's early early uh, segment form. All right. 2018. Bill's blank goes a million miles an hour or he's sleeping. The town was evident when he was awake. No one could catch him. But blank always struggled to concentrate in the classroom. And when he sat still, he'd often slip into a deep sleep at inappropriate times. Now blank is standing in his locker at the Buffalo Bills practice facility, Recently claimed off waivers, surrounded by microphones and cameras, he says later, fighting a powerful urge to zone out. So sounds I will like, give you the hint that – go ahead. I was going to say, it sounds like Anthony Rendon, who also <laughs> zoning out problems. But yes, continue. Yawning in the dugout. Yeah. Uh, before I give the bigger hints, I will say that he is still – got picked up off of waivers in 2018, and he is still on the team. Definitely noticeable on in Monday's game. <laughs> I will say Levi Wallace. Good guess, but I believe Levi was an undrafted pick by the undrafted by the Bills directly. Got it. Okay. I'll give my other hint since I'm sensing a stall out. Uh, he played college football at Georgia and was drafted by the Denver Broncos in the fifth round of the 2017 NFL draft. So not Jake Fromm, who was drafted by the Bulldogs. 2017. I remember specifically that 
at the Bills' bye week in 2018, they went out and got this guy because of the conversation Brian Dable had with Sean McDermott saying the team could really use some speed on offense. Isaiah McKenzie? Isaiah McKenzie, there All we right. go. All right, well, thank you, Isaiah McKenzie, with a touchdown this week. Yep. All right, 2016, LaShawn McCoy will continue to lose goal line work to Buffalo Bills running back Blank. Blank now has six touchdowns this season and seems to have established himself as the goal line running back. This was a University of Florida pick. He was drafted by the Miami Dolphins in the fifth round of the 2013 NFL draft and was with the Bills in 2015 and 2016. 2016, he produced a career-high 101 carries for 577 yards and eight touchdowns. It's 5.7 yards a carry. It was a good season. 2015. So 2016, this is 2016. So Rex, right? This is or this no, is Rex. This is, yeah, this is yeah, Rex. Rex. So before it would be with not McCoy. Right. McCoy is the one who's losing the goal line. So you have two right. potential really good guesses because one running back had a real standout season in 2015 as McCoy's backup. And the other had a really standout season in 2016. So McCoy's. it's it's Cadillac Williams or no, not Cadillac Williams. It's the it was our Yes, we call him Cadillac Carlos Williams. It could Cadillac be Cadillac Carlos Williams, right? Or, or the other be. guy. And it sounds like it's the other guy. It is the other guy. He's been out of the league since 2018. We, I suspected when he left the team that he was going to be another guy that turned into a star player under Bill Belichick. Uh, is um, yeah, I can. He has a boring name. <laughs> That's a boring yeah. first name. His last name is is unique. I don't know anyone else with this last name. But. It's like Jonathan something or uh, yeah, you're gonna say it and I'm gonna remember it. And I'm gonna All be right. mad. Uh, Mike Gillisley. Gillisley. Mike Gillisley. Yeah. All right. 2015. Bills promote tight end blank. Tight end Mulligan released. While starting 40 of 50 games at Florida State, Blank set a school record for tight ends with 114 receptions in Nick 19. O'Leary. Nick O'Leary. All right. Now I see. Now I get pissed because I spent about four or five minutes researching further info for hints that I don't. Golden need. Bears grandson. How could you forget? Yep, that was that was the last hint. Mm-hmm. All right. 2012 on the tight end kick here. Bill's tight end blank gets swallowed up by stands after Rams, Rams after fans forget to catch him. There's your reason it's called the Lambo leap and not the Ralph Wilson stadium leap. While NFL players celebrating a touchdown often jump into the stands to interact with some lucky fans. Most of the fans are smart enough to catch said player and keyword most in Sunday's Bill's Rams game in Buffalo tight end blank caught a touchdown pass and wanted to make the leap into the Bill's faithful but for whatever reason, the fans weren't ready for the backup tight end's plunge. He leaped into the crowd, but Bills fans failed to hold up all 260 pounds of him as he fell backwards into the seats. Like an old-time sailor in the Bermuda Triangle, he disappeared into a <laughs> plunging pits. Thank you, Huffington Post and USA Today and Yahoo, who helped me compile that description. Backup tight end 2012. <laughs> Chris Gregg. He was a backup tight end in 2012. He's not the backup tight end. God damn. Well, how about Derek Fine? Yikes. All right. I I have to give the the super hint then on this one. Um, He had a very key target in Monday's game. In this Monday's game? This Monday's game. Lee Smith? Lee Smith. Oh, my God. First engagement. 
Yep. Lee Smith 1.0. He was with the Bills in 2012 before leaving and eventually working his way back to town. All right. I, you Two. know, only Paul would have a question, Scott, where you could get the wrong backup tight end in 2012. <laughs> <laughs> only Paul would be like, too. Hmm, sorry. <laughs> yeah, it would have been it would have been Scott Chandler. It would have been Chris Gregg and it would have been Lee Smith. And I don't know if they had any other. I tight fucking end. pulled Chris Gregg out of my ass. And dusted him up, and I should have gotten at least a, damn, Frank, I don't know how you got the wrong backup tight end, but good job for remembering <laughs> a backup tight end from eight years ago. And instead, it's like, nope, wrong one, dickhead. <laughs> All right, well, next time I come across Greg in a headline, he's going to be an answer, and you're going to have to be ready. <laughs> and that's not, I mean, yes. mentioning he's a tight end, so you're going to have to learn Chris Gregg's entire history of life now. Just so when Craig. I say he owns a fish named Gillisley, you'll be like, oh, that's that Chris Gregg. Yeah, exactly. Agro Craig. Yeah. All right. <laughs> All right. 2005. Blank suspended. Um, in speaking to WGR, Blank said, uh, actually, let me go back a bit. Uh, Blank's personal advisor, Greg Johnson, said the dispute occurred when Blank left the field after experiencing pain in his Achilles tendon. Blank wanted to have the tendon examined by a trainer and coach. Tyke Tolbert asked Blank to get back on the field. Blank declined and was benched for most of the final three quarters. Um, Mr. Wilson has been a class act to us since 1996, the advisor said. We'll respect the team's decision and move forward. And speaking to WGR, Blank said he and I just talked about everything that had happened. Um, talking about a discussion with Ralph Wilson. He actually wanted me to play at the same time. We both thought I didn't practice the whole week, so it won't be fair to my teammates to go and play this Sunday. The thing he told me is that he's in my corner and he appreciates everything that I've done for the past 10 years. He said, I'm one of the players that he knows goes out and plays uh, every play for him to say that meant more to me than anything. This was after the player took himself out of the game after watching Lee Evans catch three quarter touchdown, three first quarter touchdowns in last Sunday in Miami. Yeah. What year is this again? Sorry. 2005. Yep. So some key yeah. hints here. Obviously someone who knows. Eric, yep. Eric Moulds. Eric Moulds. Yep. Yeah. I was like, I was like, that's about the end of his career anyway. Yeah. Yeah, that was it. He had uh, he it was his last season with the team. He played a few more games with them that two years between the Texans and Titans. And again, I've said someone needs to sign him because he is stuck at nine thousand nine hundred ninety five career yards. Just get him on there one five yard out and then let him retire. All right. Um, this is you've got some wide open ones on this, guys. Frank, you like just blurting out the names of backup tight ends. This is the moment you've waited. <laughs> Derek, fine. <laughs> All right. There were a bunch of headlines about injuries at the tight end position, who was starting and who was going to be on IR and who was going to be elevated from the practice squad. Name any of them. So I'll just start blurting out histories here, and you can name name any tight ends you want. All right. What was the year? 2004. Okay. It says, the Bills will be depleted for the rest of the season because starter Blank is out for the year with a knee injury, and reserve Blank is expected to miss significant time as well with a knee injury. The only healthy tight end on the roster is Blank, who said, I'm going to do the best job I can. Uh, the Bills promote former NFL Europe standout blank from the practice squad. He's familiar with Buffalo's oh offense, God. having spent the entire 2004 season with the team. Also blank had his number changed to 85. He's been practicing more with the tight ends than the tackles this week to give them depth. I'm going to hope that one of these people is Jay Reimersma. Reimersma. Nope. Derek Fine. Nope. Too early. Moore? No, Dave Moore is a great guess. In fact, the starter what used to be Dave Moore's backup and actually replaced Dave Moore. And then Moore was out of town. So not one of these guys. Wow. Uh, I'll give you guys. Uh, Derek. Okay. 
Chris Gregg. Is <laughs> that dare fine? Um, no, I. Oof. I'll say one last. I'll repeat my last hint, and I'm hoping this gets you over the hump. Also, Blank had his number changed to 85. He's practicing more with the tight ends than the tackles this week. Jason Peters. Jason Peters, you got one of them. Uh, the others were Mark Campbell was the starter. Mark Campbell. Tim Ewis was the initial Tim back. Tim Ewis. Yeah. Ryan Newfeld was the next back. Oh my God. Sure. What an era. <laughs> and the guy Legend. elevated from the practice squad, uh, who I want to mention briefly, uh, who I talked about very briefly because I know we're on time. We're on run long. Rod Trafford. And why I want to mention him, you might remember the 2004 game against the Steelers and how heartbreaking that was, and that Ryan Lindell missed a very short field goal that would have given the extended the Bills' lead, and instead things went south because uh, the, the Pittsburgh ran a long play after he missed the field goal and then took over. The Bills had a third and one, caught a first down, and then Josh Reed was called for a very eh, ticky-tacky offensive pass interference penalty. So on the next play on third and 11 from third and one, Drew Bledsoe threw to Rod Trafford and he picked up 10 yards. And I remember the play distinctly. Like if he just put his head down, barreled forward, he would have picked up the first down. He didn't. Lindell missed the field goal. And then that game went downhill and the Bills playoff drive expanded another 13 years. And I will blame Rod Trafford for that. Uh, <laughs> my existence. All right. Two more to go. Three more to go. Wonderful work of blank. Bruce Smith's replacement blank, the shining light of the Bills locker room, has been every bit as productive a player as he is a quote machine for the media. Uh, this guy played 10 seasons in the NFL for four teams. He was the Bills' 22nd pick of the second round in the 1997 draft out of Columbia University. Place Bruce Smith. He's currently a co-host on Fox. Marcellus uh, Fox. Wiley. Marcellus Wiley. There we go. Hey. Huh. Well done. I was thinking about him before those clues. Cool. All right. All right. 1993. This is a tougher one. Bill's blank ready to call the shots. Injury to Kelso signals opportunity for safety. Uh, blank is hoping to hoping his extensive experience as a reserve for the Buffalo Bills helps pay off Sunday. Uh, blank will get the start free safety against Philadelphia Eagles because Mark Kelso is out with a concussion. The Bills announced Wednesday. I have a bunch of hints, but I'll just skip to the end ones. Um, he played four seasons with the Bills from 92 to 95. He started every game at free safety in the 94 season. Had a couple seasons as Arizona starting strong safety at the end of his career. Uh, had eight interceptions for 89 yards, plus an interception in their playoff loss against the Steelers in 1995. Okay, this is when I always want to see Henry Jones, but he's always the strong safety. He's always the strong safety. So this right. guy would have been starting opposite Henry Jones in 1993. I'll give another hint, and I think this will help more Frank more. If it helps, him, if it helps either of you at all, it would be Frank. Um, yeah. In the late 80s and early 90s, a Bills player wrote a wrote some children's books. And the name of the title character is the same as the name of this player. Hmm. Babar. Yes. Babar. Yes. Famous Bill's safety, Matt Babar. No. It's actually uh, Matt Darby. Uh, and the character I was thinking of is Ray Bentley, the linebacker, wrote a series of books called Darby the Dinosaur. Oh, I, did, I forgot that he did that. Yeah, Kurt Schultz was on the team, too. He was. was just, he would have been a good guess because he yeah. played, I remember he was definitely on the team in 93 because I remember him from the playoff game against the uh, 
than Oilers. All right, last one. Eh, yeah, we'll get we'll do this one. I'm gonna do it quick though. Bills find new way to frustrate Raiders. This was that crazy game where uh, Scott Norwood um, <laughs> he missed an extra point. He hit one off the up an extra point off the upright that went in. Missed three field goals and finally booted one in overtime to win. And Thurman Thomas said that he would have dropped him off of the airplane if he'd missed the last field goal try in overtime. So this was a 27-14 Raiders lead today late in the fourth quarter against the Bills. Um, evaporated into a 27-27 tie by the end of regulation. Then Scott Nord booted a 42-yard field goal to win it. Um, the Raiders dominated the first two quarters of the game, building a 20-14 halftime lead. A crucial first half score for the Bills came on Blank's 91-yard kickoff return. The first Bills kickoff return for a touchdown in 13 years since Curtis Brown did so in 1978. And the Bills wouldn't do it again until Eric Moulds did it in 1996. So kick returner, kickoff return for the touchdown, the only kickoff return that the Bills had for a touchdown between the years 1978 and 1996, by which time I had been born and become 18 years old. Um, three seasons with the Bills. He was a round 11 pick out of Northwestern State in 1990. He was, in the years on the team, he was always the fourth wide receiver. He was eventually replaced by Russell Copeland in that role. But it was always Reed, BB, Lofton, Blank, and then Steve Tasker, and then eventually Bill Brooks when Lofton retired. Yeah, I'm not going to get this one. I apologize. Right. You can call him. Do, 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 do. You can call him Al Edwards. You can call him Al. Okay. Yep. Al, yeah, Edwards. Al Edwards. So. I debated well, thanks, that one because it was a stupid one to end on after we are good Darby the Dinosaur one, but we did anyway, and that was this day in Bill's headlines for December 9th. Woo! All right. Thank you once again, Paul. Uh, Bill's Pittsburgh. Okay, I am getting conflicting information everywhere. I have seen the... I'd say, freaking... yeah, last I saw was Pittsburgh minus one and a half, but that could be... I'm seeing Pittsburgh... Now I see now on Odd Shark, I'm seeing Buffalo minus two and a half. <laughs> on the on the Steelers blog, they were saying that the game started in June as Steelers by two and a half, and it started sinking towards the Bills last week, and okay. that in since Monday night it has now flipped and is is more more action on the Bills has led to Bills at two and a half. Okay, yeah, but I mean even on this Odd is Shark, what we call a pick'em, I think. At this yeah, point. E- even as you go to Odd Shark, right? It's like one website has. They basically are like they collect all the odds and then they do like their their summary. And then they have like a lot of people at Pittsburgh plus two and a half and a few te- a few places at Pittsburgh minus two and a half. And so, yeah, I think it's a pick them. And I don't think they quite know what to do with the game. You obviously have Pittsburgh, who's 11 and one. Um, I'd be hard pressed to call them a bad team. Oh, they're a good team. They're, I think they're, they're flawed, a good team. But they're a good team. They have a good defense. They have some. They have some real struggle running the ball. They have, which is odd for them. They have some a terrible time with wide receivers holding on to the ball. Um, and you know, I don't quite know how to how to put it, but like you know, uh, Ben Roethlisberger doesn't look like Ben Roethlisberger. You know, he's not being able to make those plays. So a lot of their games, I I, I retweeted the image. I think on the, 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 the bills on our Twitter account about, you know, just who they've beat and they've beaten a lot of bad teams and they beat a lot of injured teams and they've squeaked out a lot of wins against a lot of garbage. 
And, you know, it caught up with them against a Washington team who's, you know, surprisingly mediocre. Uh, but, you know, it is what it is. They're certainly not a bad team. I think Buffalo certainly has the the advantage on offense. But, you know, TJ Watts there, he's going to cause a problem per usual. And there's a lot of there's just a lot of stuff going on. Uh, it's not to be vague, but like it's a it's a weird ass game to pick almost like last year's game when we went there which wasn't yep. exactly a clean uh, thing about whether to pick how to pick that or not. So uh, I'll start. I, I mean, I've already tipped my hand. I want I'm picking Buffalo. I think I think Buffalo's going to win this football game. I think they're on. Oh, I think they're on a roll if, if momentum is to be believed as a thing. But I think more importantly, they're clicking on offense. I think Buffalo, I think Pittsburgh has looked embarrassed the last few weeks, but I don't see a good remedy for them. I think it could be a closer game, but I still think I'm ready to say Buffalo's going to get their 27 points. I think they're going to score on Pittsburgh, and I wonder if Pittsburgh can keep up, you know, not especially on the road, but I'm ready for them to beat Pittsburgh. I think that there's a I think there's a deeper problem with the Steelers team right now than they simply had a hiccup game. I think they're ready to lose a couple games in a row here, and I think Buffalo's going to, you know, Buffalo can taste it. They can they're they're there. They win this game. They start in, in Miami loses. They they're they basically got the division locked up. They're getting to where they're locking Miami out completely from even being able to help themselves. And so then we can all, you know, tweet at the Miami reporter about his his uh, his damn uh, point differential, which he, he loves so much. Um, but, you know, for me, I think I think Buffalo wins this game. I think I'm ready for Buffalo to, to, to step up. I'll say 27 to 16. I think they're I think they're going to win. And I think they're going to control the Steelers much the way they controlled the 49ers. And somebody uh, Paul's talked a lot. So let's go. All right. Uh, I will say I think this is a I think I would have been much more confident in a Bills win had the Steelers uh won the game on on monday night i think now the steelers i think i think you know i think it confirmed my suspicions when i went on the steelers blog say that they had been tracking like the steelers and certainly the fans mm-hmm. uh, but the steelers themselves had been tracking that this wasn't really quite all they were cracked up to be that yeah they were 11 and 0 but you know they played that horrible game against the ravens where if they were paying a team that had actually had any practice time or nfl starters then they would have lost um, you know, the, all the things that, that Frank's pointed out. So yeah, now it's, now it's a bit of a gut check for the Steelers going on the road to play a Bills team that as Frank said is, 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 you know, at basically at, at peak playing condition right now, you could argue maybe last week was better that this week they might've been a little dinged up coming out of the game with just one or two more injuries, but we still have time to fix those. Um, so if you're the Steelers, this is definitely gut check time and they got to figure out what's, what 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 kind of team they want? Are they going to are they going to show up and they're going to fight and they're going to play their play their best, put it all together, and then the Bills are going to have their hands full, or are they going to are they going to wilt and they're going to kind of just take their medicine and not bring the energy and the 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 ship starts to sink kind of rapidly. I don't I don't see the second one happening. I think that Mike Tomlin is a good enough coach. I think he'll have them ready to go. I think this is a tight game. I think the Bills certainly can win. And I still haven't really made up my mind, as you can't tell. Um, but I will go ahead and say, I think the Bills still get it done. I think it's a super tight game, though. Um, I will say 
28 to 27. I think it's I think it's neck and neck down to the wire. Comes down to field goals. Comes down to kicks. Um, who's got the ball last? I, I don't know. It's gonna it's gonna be real interesting. It'll be a good one. Yeah, this is a, a tough one to pick. I'm largely in the same mode as Scott. James Connor comes back this week. It is looking like that is not to be uh, undersold. It, Steelers do have issues in their kicking game right now that their kicker might not play. So you know that that's something to look out for. <laughs> But I wish the Steelers hadn't had their wake-up call against Washington last week. I was hoping that they would kind of just think they could kind of get along with with doing what they were doing and still winning games. Uh, But I don't want to underrate their defense. I always worry about when you're coming off a high like the Bills are this week and you're coming off a low like the Steelers are and you are two good competitive teams, that is not always a good thing if you're the team coming off the win. And so I think this is also going to be in ultimately a close game since I am in third place in the standings. I, why don't I just flail down further and I am going to go against the heart and pick the Steelers in this one. Mm. Uh, and I'm going to say Pittsburgh wins at 27 to 24. Scott's or Paul's throwing the hail Mary here. Paul's yeah. just like pulling out the flea flicker. We got to win this game. Yeah. I, I, I feel that. <laughs> I would agree with you if, if I didn't think that there were just bigger problems with the Steelers, right? Like if I thought the Steelers were a good team that was scuffling and they like they need net this is like the 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 wake up game, then I would agree. But I think fundamentally I don't believe that they're an eleven and one team. So yeah, anyhow. Uh, you can agree and disagree with us as you see fit. Uh, you can do that. MNY Bills at Twitter, B Bills MNY on Facebook. Find us Buffalo Bills maybe next year. You can do all that. You can listen. Um, look, you found us. You know how to find us. Just find us. Add us to your podcatcher. Rate, review, all that stuff. Until next time, thank you so much for listening. But it is time for us to go, friends. My name has is Frank and continues to be. <laughs> no, I'm Scott. My name remains Paul. Good night, everyone. <laughs>